Christian man rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say, news, news. Jesus Christ is born today. Hawks and us before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now we hear of endless bliss. Joy, joy, Jesus Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door and man is blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door. Let's sing that again. Opened heaven's door, and man is blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace. Jesus Christ was born to save. was born to save, Christ was born to save. Let's sing that last verse again and uh, think about not fearing the grave and peace, peace, Christ was born to save and we can enter his everlasting hall. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice, now we need not fear the grave. Christ is born to save, causes one and causes all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save, Christ was, was born to save. Yes, all right, I hear a bell, that's great. Um, welcome everybody, and we will be singing um, the story of the good news this morning. So uh, I hope that makes your soul sing. It's kind of neat that we got a whole month to celebrate um, Jesus' birthday. <clears throat> For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, unto us a son is given. God will break the chains that bind his people and the whip that scourges them, just as he did when he destroyed the army of Midian with Gideon's small band. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. 
the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, I was singing these songs um, this week. It just made my soul sing. So I hope this makes your soul sing this morning. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm does tremendous things. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful.
Born to be our friend 
God sees you. He sees who others miss. The unnoticed, the unacknowledged, the undervalued, the unloved. He saw the shepherds, simple and unlearned men who spent their days with smelly sheep on the countryside, regarded as thieves and despised by respectable people. In Jesus' day, shepherds were separated from the mainstream society. The only social group lower than the shepherds were the lepers. And God sees you. Would you take a moment to let that truth sink in? God sees you. Yes, you. Right now, your heart, your worries, your circumstances, the numbers of hairs on your head. God yearns for you to see him, to notice him, to acknowledge him, to value him, to love him. That's why Jesus sent the radiance of his glory, the exact rep representation of his name, God with skin. The shepherds show us how. While minding their own business on an ordinary night just like any other night, the shepherds were suddenly surrounded by the glory of the Lord, as angels appeared, announcing the Messiah's birth, a multitude of angels soon followed, soon followed, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. 
the shepherds were given a front row seat to this spectacular sight. No one ever invited, no one else was invited to the show. Their testimony was not accepted in courts. Yet God picked lowly shepherds for the first to hear of Jesus' birth. How did the shepherds respond to this astonishing news? They dropped everything and ran to find Jesus. The shepherds did not settle for a mere announcement of Jesus' birth. Though it was miraculous, they decided they were going to see Jesus for themselves. They left in haste to find the good shepherd, born to lay down his life for the sheep. They left their lambs in search of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the shepherds could find, could see before the shepherds could see Jesus, they first had to find him. The angels provided clear clues to, where, to locate Jesus, but the shepherds had to choose to follow their lead. How many dark streaks of Bethlehem did they navigate to find this manger? How long they, did they search before finding the newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes? How do we see Jesus? We choose to find him. Yes, Emmanuel has come, but we have to find, decide to seek him for ourselves. God promises that if we seek him, we will find him. If we knock, he will open the door to us. Oh, Jesus, oh, how Jesus longs to be found by you. When you are looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me, you will want it more than anything else. I will make sure you won't be disappointed. The question for us, will you settle the announcement of his coming or will you choose to find for him for yourself? with me for prayer. Will you do so? Dear Heavenly Father, we are bowed before you to say that you are holy, that you are the Lord Almighty, and that we adore you. We desire to have our hearts open before you. We invite you into this space, and we thank you that you are here. And we acknowledge, Lord, that you are all that we need. So we, we again welcome you into this space, Lord, and invite you to speak to us, to... Um, to reveal yourself to us, Lord, in the way that you desire to this Advent season. May we keep our eyes open, looking for you and looking for how you want to move in our, in our, um, in our, in our lives, Lord, and in the lives of our families and in the church. And I pray for Conrad, Lord, that as he delivers the word that you have for us, that it would also resonate with him. Lord, that the, that the message that um, you want to speak through him, Lord, would come through with boldness and clarity. That we would be willing to receive this message, Lord, from you. I pray, Lord, for strength for Conrad and for protection as he delivers this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen.
Good morning, and I greet you in Jesus' name. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary with us, those of you who are online right now, and those of you who will be watching or participating online later uh, this week or some other time. Greetings in the name of the Christ who has come. I want to read from Matthew chapter 2, the first uh, verses about the story of the Magi, the coming of the what we can contemporarily call the wise men. Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Who were these men, these magi? Or we don't know for sure that they, what, their, what, their, uh, what their race of sex was. Maybe there were some women with them. How, do we get them. how did they get to Bethlehem? What did they want? What was the star that they were following? How did they know about the birth of the king of Jews? You know, there are a ton of riddles in this little story, a ton of questions that um, we don't and cannot fully answer. A couple of years ago, uh, in Christianity Today, there was an essay that described some possible answers that um, scholars consider. It's likely that the Magi were philosophers who engaged in the study of astronomy and also astrology. So they were really, in some ways, spiritualists. They, they studied science and nature. They also were deeply spiritual, probably, perhaps, uh, out of the religious tradition of Zoroastrianism, uh, which was a monotheistic religion, the only monotheistic religion of its time except Judaism, believed in one God. Uh, and it is, it is quite possible that that's the tradition out of which they came. They were probably from Babylon, north of uh, Judah and Israel. Babylon was the main center of astronomy in the Middle East and had existed there as a study of the skies and the stars and the planets since the 8th century BC. And we know that God's people showed up in Babylon after that time. The star that, that, that shows up in this story per, probably existed for at least a year uh, we assume that from the story that the star had been out there for some time. It makes sense, scholars say, that this was a comet. The way the story refers to its rising and its movement from the eastern morning sky to the southern evening sky suggests this, this kind of celestial entity of, uh, as being a comet. The scripture says it stood over the place of Jesus' birth. Only a comet does that. Only a comet stands still. In fact, historian Josephus described a comet that stood in Jerusalem in preparation for the Judean War, and another historian describes a comet that stood over Rome in 12 BC. In the ancient world, comets, com comets were commonly called stars in Babylon and the Greco-Roman world as well. This information is interesting because it tells us, reminds us, that this isn't a myth, that there was a star, uh, that there was a star that uh, these wise men followed. It was a star that God ordained for them to follow. But to me, the story is less about the star, at least less about this star, 
and more about the star with a capital S and about the story of the wise men themselves. The story is important because it shows how God was at work in the world, preparing the world for the coming of the Christ child even among those who were not his chosen. And, and that's the interesting story. In all of this, right, the whole, the interesting story, one of the interesting stories, you know, in this whole birth narrative of Jesus, is the people who were attracted to Jesus' coming, or the people whom God alerted to the coming of Jesus. Uh, Peggy already read about the shepherds, uh, lowest only next to the lepers, but the wise men were likely pagans, as it were, from Babylon. Um, and so even among those who were not God's chosen people, and perhaps especially among those who were not God's chosen people, um, this story was unraveling. This story was developing. The story in Matthew 2 of the star also connects to an Old Testament story in the book of Numbers. It's quite possible even likely that the Magi knew of this story in Numbers, which we're going to look at in a moment. Because the Hebrew people had been living in Babylon for nearly 600 years, they had set up a synagogue system there. And so if the Magi were philosophers, spiritualists, interested in religions in Babylon, it's quite possible they had also studied the Hebrew scripture. And they knew and discovered this prophecy that's in Numbers. Numbers 24. And so if you have your Bible, you might want to turn to Numbers 24, 17 to 19. I'm going to read it, um, actually 15 to 19. I'm going to read it uh, if you uh, don't have it in front of you or choose not to turn to it. But at the end of this passage, it's the kind of passage that, you know, Scripture is full of these incredible passages that connect with our hearts. And when I read this verse, it always connects with my heart. Something about the way the verse is, well, it's more than the way the verse is framed. It's more than the language of the verse. It's the truth behind the language of this verse. Numbers 24, 17 to 19. So the story is about Balaam. And Balaam is a Moabite who's called out um, to give a blessing uh, called out by his king, the Moabite king, to give a curse against the people of Israel. But if you remember the story, the donkey, Balaam's donkey, begins to talk, and uh, Balaam can only pronounce blessing. It's this wonderful uh, twist that God is so capable of doing where we have a plan or someone has a plan, and God takes the plan and turns it upside down and does what he wants to do, uh, even through someone who doesn't know him or doesn't claim him. And so Balaam spoke this message in verse 15. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly. He's discerning. This little passage reminds us that the spiritual gifts, as I've often preached, lie within those who don't know Jesus also, lie within those who also do not know God. They're, they come to us at birth. And so you find folks who don't know God who've got the spiritual gifts within them. And clearly Balaam does. He's got a gift of discernment and prophecy. The prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. And so you hear Balaam, you hear him connecting with God, acknowledging that the gifts he has are from God, um, but he's trying desperately to curse God's people. And then out of his mouth comes this, and this is the little, this is the phrase I was talking about. I see him. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Again, the context is that the Israelites are conquering the promised land of Canaan. One group at a time, one people at a time. And then they get to Moab, a group of pagans who resist, of course, 
their descent upon them. Moab was the son of Lot, and uh, the Moabites did not worship Yahweh. In fact, they practiced child sacrifice. So the king of Moab decides he will get the prophet Balaam, who is not an Israelite, to pronounce, as I've already said, curses upon them. And Balaam participates until God says, you can't do that. And then he begins to pronounce these blessings. I think I'm moved by this passage, and I'm going to read it again, that little, the couple of lines. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Judah. I think I'm moved by that passage because it's what all of our hearts long for. It connects with the deepest longing of our heart. To see this star, to recognize this star, to experience this star and what the star brings. Not the star in the sky, the natural sky, the physical star, but the star behind the star, the star who came to Bethlehem. We are in a most difficult place, all of us at times. And sometimes right now, as you know, for all of us, this moment that we're in, the season feels difficult, hard. There's this kind of overarching darkness that many of us feel and experience in this time, in addition to whatever else we're struggling with. So when we're in a difficult place, feeling overwhelmed by our enemies, fearing defeat, anxious, worrying about the curses of our enemies against us, worrying about what is next, Surrounded by fear and darkness and violence and anxiety. And then these words, and even from one of our enemies. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing. Is that it's one of the enemies that speaks these words. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. You know, in those most difficult days, that's all I need to hear to get me through that day. That there is this star, that there is this one that I can behold. Paul says we behold partially, we behold in a shadow, but someday we will know fully. And some days I just need to be reminded of the fully that is to come. That though the star or though that time may not be near, it is coming. Against the backdrop of this evil king who wanted to kill God's people is this prophet who can't help himself but declare that the Messiah is coming. Because when God sets his plan in motion, nothing, nothing is going to stop it. Not our worst enemies, not our enemy Satan himself, not darkness, not terror, not death, not fear, not anxiety. Because once God set in motion the coming of Christ, back in Genesis 3, when he prophesied this or declared this, nothing was going to get in his way. And so it's these magi from Babylon who are part of this long story that goes back to Genesis when God said, I'm going to strike Satan's head. He'll strike my heel, but I'll strike his head. That was the beginning of this prophetic word of Christ coming. And so these magi are, are products of this long story. And again, it's so intriguing that it was those outside of Israel that are called to come to, to, to see the star. Because they are seekers. In their heart of hearts, if not fully believers, they are at least seekers. Seekers enough to get on the journey. Seekers of truth, not always knowing what the truth is, but desiring beyond anything else to know what the truth is. For some reason, these individuals had been looking, watching, anticipating the divine movement in the heavens. And so when it appears, they are ready to leave Babylon and to find the Messiah. They knew how to connect what was happening in the heavens with what was connecting with the birth of this king. Again, it's interesting that it was astrologers. It was astrologers slash astronomers. They were probably both who came from enemy lands to worship Christ. It's not the way I would have written the script. It's not the way I would have assumed God would write the script. This Messiah who had been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years by the Israelite prophets is, is now showing up to these pagan astrologers, astronomers from Babylon 
Who are the listeners? Who are the seekers? I don't believe for a moment if there were truly other seekers in Israel that God wouldn't have also brought them to the manger. And I'm not making any accusation against the Jews any more than against myself. And the tendency we have to live in the reality that exists, but to forget to seek God, to not put our ears to the ground of what, and, and to listen for the movement of what heaven is doing. What intrigues me about these magi is their capacity to hear God. You know, we, I, I think, again, we assume that those who hear God best are those who are in the church, and I don't believe it for a moment. I don't believe it for a moment. This story tells us otherwise. What intrigues me about these magi is that there are people out there who have the capacity to hear God's voice regardless of who they are and where they are. Regardless of who they are and where they are. It was clear that these individuals, these magi, were listening for truth regardless of where it was coming from. And that their concern was hearing the truth more than anything else. They learned it from what they observed in nature. They learned it from religion. They learned it from probably Hebrew scriptures, as I've said. I don't think it mattered to them where the source of truth was coming, except that they heard the crystal clear ring of truth when it was echoed. They knew what truth sounded like. We are born to hear truth because we came from the one who is truth. He gave us a discerning ear, I believe, gave us a discerning ear to hear truth. I mean, Jesus himself said, and Peggy quoted part of this verse, but seek and you will find. Seek what? Seek the truth. Seek the truth and you will find the truth. A few weeks ago, I interviewed for my podcast Dr. Philip Riken from Wheaton College. And it was such a fun interview because those four years at Wheaton were so spiritually formative for me in the midst of tons of struggle, including doubts about who God was and struggles with my fear of God. And, but in, in, in that moment, in one of those years, making a decision that I was, going to, I was going to follow the Lord, even though I had so many questions um, and did not have answers to them. Um, but one of the things that I learned at Wheaton that was so helpful to me was this phrase, all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. If God is the originator of truth, it doesn't matter where it shows up, it's still going to be true. And so what it allows us to do, like these magi, is to listen for truth wherever it happens to be. I am not saying there are many roads to God. Don't hear that. There is one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Okay, I believe that firmly with all my heart. But what I'm saying is that sprinkled throughout creation, including in other people throughout the world, is also God's truth embedded there. And when we assume that we are the only source of truth because we happen to be in the church, we are missing a lot. We are missing a lot. It's an arrogant position to have, to assume that somehow we are the only arbiters of truth. But these magi had their ears open to the ground to hear where God and how God was speaking to them. Because, brothers and sisters, most of the people in the world these days are not born into the church. And so if our only hope is being born into the church to hear the truth, we're in big trouble. There ain't much hope for anybody else. But Paul is very clear that creation itself gives witness. Creation itself gives witness of who God is, speaks the truth of who God is. This truth, that all truth is God's truth, has served me well, but it hasn't always taken me to safe places. It has served me well in, it has, in that it has led me back to the Christ child. But not everyone has appreciated how I've gotten there. Sometimes there's been disagreement with the path that I took. Sometimes I suspect folks wonder if I actually got to the manger at all. But I pray that my ear is always like that of the Magi, always to the ground listening for truth, 
because I could care less who I see on the journey with me unless it's other seekers of truth. Unless it's those who have joined me and I have joined who are looking for truth with a lowercase t, but above everything else, an uppercase t. C.S. Lewis says something, and I'm going to butcher it up, but he says, if we start out looking for truth, we will find the truth. If we, find out, if we start out looking with our ears open, whether we know God or not, but in our hearts want to know what the truth is, God intervenes and leads us to the truth. Again, this week um, on my podcast, I told the story of Nick Lowe from uh, an, an interview on NPR, Terry Gross's um, program, Fresh Air, a couple of years ago. It was fascinating to me because Nick was talking about Jesus. And Nick Lowe is an openly proclaiming atheist, and NPR doesn't typically feature Jesus. And so the interviewer and host, Terry Gross, was talking to Nick Lowe, who's an English singer and songwriter. He wrote, Cruel to be Kind, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. And he had just written in 2018 a Christmas album. And I was captivated for two reasons, as I said, because it was about Jesus on fresh air. And I think I've so often bought into the idea Again, that the world has no time for Jesus, that the world isn't really in touch with what the truth is. But here was a self-proclaimed atheist singing a song he had written about Jesus. And the song, um, it's, worth, it's worth looking up. It's called, I Was Born in Bethlehem. Uh, I'll read a few of the lyrics to you in a minute. But Nick, Nick said this, and I'd like you to keep in mind the wise men as I'm reading this, <laughs> what Nick's saying. I'd like you to keep in, keep in mind the seekers of truth who believe that there is truth out there and are on a journey. Nick said this, I have a rather complicated relationship to religion. I have all the equipment to make me rather, you know, devout, I would almost say. I'm very interested in religion and different religions. I know quite a lot about it. I love gospel music and I love going to churches But the one drawback is I don't actually believe in God. And it is quite a handicap, you know. I'm the sort of person that can be reduced to tears in an empty church, but feel like I'm the CEO of the devil's organization in a full one. I love empty churches and going into them looking around, but I'm not a churchgoer at all. Nick Lowe's song called I Was Born in Bethlehem describes Jesus. And describes how he came and his experience of coming into the stable, his mother and father, the difficulty they had finding a place to sleep. But it it repeats again and again, or several times, I've done what I can. I've done what I can to be there when a man can't find a friend. This is Jesus. Nick is speaking for Jesus here. I've done what I can to be there when a man can't find a friend. I was born in Bethlehem. At this point, um, the interviewer, Terry Gross, said, uh, why did you emphasize Jesus being a friend? And Nick said this, well, it's a sort of deep question, actually. I know, you know, as I say, I don't have the faith now. I certainly believe in Jesus, you know, that he existed, that he was a very nice man. And who can disagree with a simple philosophy of treat other people like you like to be treated yourself? It's absolutely nothing I can disagree with. And how can I put this? So I use the name of Jesus and the thought of Jesus very, very easily as a sort of comfort. As a sort of comfort. As a kind of comfort in some way. And in that way, it's just like having a friend, I suppose. I mean, the way I'm talking, it sounds like, you know, I'm going to go out and sign up for the nearest seminary and you won't hear from me ever again. But it's a hard thing to talk about, really, because I'm not sure at all myself about it. But I've got a very, very simple sort of outlook to it. Yeah, That's all I can say, really. When I listen to Nick's comments, I hear a yearning for truth. I hear one who finds comfort in the name of Jesus. The one who yearns to be loved by Jesus. Almost a confession and prayer mixed within that. I also think of others in the New Testament who more strongly than Nick Lowe denied Jesus and were followers of Jesus. Judas, of course, betrayed Jesus, but Peter, Peter's denial was much greater and stronger. 
than Nick Lowe's. I wouldn't quite call Nick Lowe's a denial as much as a set of questions that he still hasn't answered. It's hard for us. It's easy for us. I'm sorry. It's easy for us to be hard on folks like Nick and on folks that aren't in these walls with us, whether we're here physically or figuratively or spiritually this morning. But I'm not sure that Nick is any less of a seeker than these magi. And I have to believe that someday, if Nick keeps his heart open, Jesus will reveal himself to Nick. But the responsibility for you and I in this this process of knowing folks like Nick is not to write them off, but to keep accompanying them on their journey. As I've said before, sometimes I think we almost walk people into the kingdom before they know they're there. And you you can almost imagine that happening to Nick. The reality is, throughout much of my life, and sometimes today, there's not much difference between me and Nick Lowe. I've got questions. I've got doubts. If I didn't, I wouldn't be human. Doubt is not our problem. Doubt is not the opposite of, of, of faith. God can handle our doubts. I suspect there's an awful lot of our young people who can relate to Nick and his questions and who are on a journey like his to Bethlehem. Even if they don't know that Bethlehem is where they're going to end up or that the baby Jesus is where their destination is. The fact is, though, they might be listening more closely to the voice of God than we are. They might even be closer to the star of Bethlehem than we are. This is a, this, as I close, we are in, and you know this as I do, it's hard to even put words to it, we're in one of the most strangest times that it's possible to live in. I mean, there are lots of other strange times, but you and I know this is, this is a bizarre time. Fear is high, anxiety is high. There's good reason that people are concerned. I'm concerned. But it's not just the fear and anxiety, it's also the, the lack of connection to one another. That's um, the wondering what's going to happen when we go back to whatever normal looks like. And I just, it is an incredible opportunity for us as followers of Jesus to be sensitive to the people around us who are asking questions um, and not to write them off and not to get so caught up in our own fears and anxieties that we're not listening to them. I think it's really easy for the church right now in this season to lose its sense of mission because we're really, all of us, for good reason, are focused on ourselves and for our own needs. But it might be, and it's difficult to connect with people. And so it's easy just to say, well, we'll get back to the mission when, you know, all this settles down. But I think the Lord of the mission still has a way of connecting us to people who are seeking him. It might be a child of yours. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. But whatever it is, I don't for a moment believe that the pandemic has stopped God from drawing people to himself. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas, because two things are happening right now. Christmas, when people tend to be more open to talking about Jesus, and a pandemic that has a lot of people in places of fear and anxiety and and uncertainty, and looking for answers. It's not a time for us to preach to them. It's a time for us to listen to them. It's a time for us to hear them. Because when we hear their hearts, we, like the God who lives within us, will show us what to say in those moments. We'll, if, but the point, but the, what's so critical is that we're listening well. Uh, and I think if we're not li- learning to listen well to others, we're also probably not learning to listen well to God. And so I just want to encourage us as a congregation, you as individuals, as you enter continue to go deeper into this Christmas season, to be attentive to who are the people who need, like Nick Lowe, just a prayer, a word of encouragement, um, an affirmation of who they are and of the God who loves them. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you love us. And we're so thankful for the story of the wise men, the magi who were called by you to go to Bethlehem. Unlikely characters, 
who were listening so closely to you that they knew how to get there, and they also knew not to go back to Herod when he told them to come. They, they, were, they, they heard you. They were keen to hear your voice. And so we thank you for them and for what they show us and teach us. And I pray for all of us this Christmas that we would be really able to hear what you're saying to us about who you are and who we are as your loved, beloved children, and also who those are around us who just need from us this Christmas a reminder that you are with them, that you love them, whether they know you or not, whether they acknowledge you or not. Maybe it's just our presence. Maybe it's something we share with them. We give to them. But God, just may we be your presence. May we be your voice this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Valleys it led them each night, a star of most radiant light. Three wise men rejoiced as they journeyed afar to behold such a beautiful star. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Others saw the star, but they followed it not. To them it would come and would pass. The wise men kept trusting with all of their hearts that the star would finally be at last. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Let's sing when they met the Christ. When they met the Christ, they rejoiced with great joy. When they met the Christ, they rejoiced. When they met the Christ, they rejoiced with When we meet the Christ, when we meet the Christ, we rejoice with great joy. When we meet the Christ, we rejoice. When we meet the Christ, we rejoice with great joy. We rejoice with exceedingly great Conrad, for that uh, message this morning and uh, for that reminder that all who seek um, will find. And uh, that's true. That's true of us and that's true of those who are, are not a part of us. So thank you for that reminder. Um, we're, we are going to try something new today. Um, we are. Uh, uh, we're in the process of reimagining the um, the prayer teams that have been going on for a long time at this church. And uh, so we're going to have a prayer time uh, during the uh, Sunday school time this morning. And that will start at um, at uh, 1045. So uh, it'll be here in the sanctuary. Uh, so you're welcome to stay uh, and participate in that. That'll be led by Jeff Nisley. Um, we'll also have that available uh, via Zoom as well for those who are connecting remotely. So. Um, we'll 
We'll see uh, everyone who wants to participate in that in just a few minutes. Thanks.